Hi, this is Sharice Kenyon and you're listening to the Beauty Me podcast all about beauty beyond the BS. This week is something quite different and I think it's definitely going to get me out of my comfort zone. I'm going to take a personality test and share my real-time thoughts and results with you. I haven't taken one before, but I feel like just before the pandemic and perhaps all the way through it, it was really this thing online with people saying they were ISFJs and INFPs and or they were eights or fours, depending on which kind of personality test they were doing. Recently, one of my favorite YouTubers, Heinz. Bless up everybody, I don't know I am Heinz and today in hindsight. He's amazing at talking about mental wellness. He's really spiritual. His videos are so well produced. He's got such a chilled vibe and he did a personality test and he did the one that is based on the Enneagram. Just going to give you a little bit of an insight into regular personality tests anyway, but I will be doing an Enneagram. I have already looked at it and there are lots of questions. So what I will be doing is I'm going to answer every single question, but I might not read out every single question, but definitely going to share my results with you at the end. So briefly, let's just talk about personality tests in general. They actually go back to the 1920s and were aimed at helping the hiring process when it came to the armed forces. So whenever you hear someone say personality tests, I even mentioned it to a friend yesterday and she said, oh, is it Myers-Briggs? And that is definitely the most common one, but a lot of discrepancies come up with that one. So I decided to go with the Enneagram. As I said, that's what Heinz did. I'm going to leave a link actually to Heinz's personality test. I wish I could remember what he was actually. But basically I chose the Enneagram because when I did a poll on my Instagram, that was the one that most people suggested that I should do. So I found a site called Truity and that's the site I'm going to use to do the test today. The actual word Enneagram, well, Ennea is the Greek word for the number nine and there are nine personality types, and gram means a figure or something that's written. I learned that little piece of information from a recent Jay Shetty podcast that I'd found after I decided to do the test. And Jay got that fact from a book by David Daniels, which is called The Essential Enneagram. So definitely check that out if you're really looking to go deep into this. In Jay's episode, he breaks down the nine personality types. So if you want more info, I'll leave links there. I'm not going to break down every single personality type. But put simply, the Enneagram is based on a typology system. It breaks down the human personality as a number of interconnected personality types. So there are nine types, but there are 27 subtypes and three basic centers, which makes so much sense because we're not just going to be one thing. I will point out that the Enneagram is not widely accepted in the field of evidence-based psychology. So I'm not trying to tell you anything is fact or proven, but let's just go with it. Let's see where we end up. Briefly, let me give you a run through of the nine personality types. Type one is the reformer, very rational, perfectionist. Type two is the helper, caring, people-pleasing. Type three is the achiever, driven, image-conscious. Type four is the individualist, sensitive and dramatic. Type five is the investigator, intense and secretive. Type six is the loyalist, committed and anxious. Type seven is the enthusiast, spontaneous and scattered. Type eight, which I've got a feeling I'm a type eight from what I've read and heard. 
is the challenger, decisive and confrontational. And type nine is the peacemaker, easygoing and agreeable. So let's get into it. First question, I strive for perfection. So I get to choose between, it's like a scale for each question from inaccurate to neutral to accurate. I strive for perfection. I would say I'm neutral because it depends what I'm doing. It depends how tired I am. It depends what the thing is. If it's, I would say more so if it's client work, then I want it to be as perfect as possible. If it's making some food and I'm tired, then maybe it won't be so perfect. So I feel that perfection is this thing that we all went through this phase of saying I'm a perfectionist as if it's an amazing quality to have. But really, it can also mean that you procrastinate because you're concerned about being perfect and that you perhaps might never actually get things finished. I'm going to be right in the middle with that one. So neutral. Next question. I work hard to be helpful to others. Again, I feel I might have to pick neutral because of course I want to be helpful to others. But I feel that when it comes to, let's say, friends or family that perhaps you've been there before, you've been so helpful, you're always there to help them. And some people you might notice, you kind of don't get the same thing back. And it's not that you do things to get something back. But let's say you help someone three times and three times they're just, they've accepted it. They're not, not that they're not grateful, but you don't feel that you get the same thing back. Like, could you ask that person to help you in a time of need? And I always feel like you know the answer to that question. So yeah, I'll work hard to be helpful to so many people. But if it's someone that isn't, (laughs) won't reciprocate, I'm not going to work that hard. I will do what I can and then I'll move on. So I'm going to pick neutral again. Am I picking neutral as an easy option? I guess we'll see as the test goes on. Next is, it is important to me that other people like me. I'm going to say that's close to inaccurate. I'm not going to pick neutral for once. Maybe a long time ago, it felt that it was important but I feel that sometimes the people that you think you need to like you for different reasons, maybe they're not the people that actually really are for you. So, you know, relationships, professional relationships, you know, it it might feel important that somebody important likes you. But yeah, I don't know. Do I want people to dislike me? No. But in my day-to-day running around, doing my work. Is it important to me that other people like me? I think it makes life easier. Like I just started a new project last week and it was, it just went so well from beginning to end. Everybody that I met was really, really nice and really supportive. I'd never met them before. And they were like, yeah, we need to do some more stuff like this. So that was just really great. Was it important that they liked me? I don't know because I was doing the job anyway. So yeah, I'm going to select close to inaccurate for that one. Next, it's, it is important to me to achieve great things. I think that's really subjective because what is great to me might not be great to somebody else. Does great mean that I'm earning a few million a year? Does great mean that I get to travel five times a year? Does great mean that one of my images gets to the cover of Vogue? I'm not sure. What is greatness? I feel like for me, 
great is if I feel healthy and strong, I can go anywhere I want at any time. So I guess that implies that I have money to do these things perhaps. But yeah, what are great things? I mean, I have done some great things. I've got work that's in a museum. That's pretty cool. Is it important for me to achieve that? I'm not sure. I feel like great things can be little things as well. So let me put that in neutral. Next, it's I feel my emotions very deeply. Yeah, that's just accurate. That's just, that's a really easy one. I don't know about you, but I do think I'm a highly emotional person. I'll cry over somebody else crying. I'll cry over all those sweet videos on Instagram by people like Upworthy. And there's an account that I love on TikTok called, is it something to do with La La Land? It's just these people drive around and they give random people just walking past compliments and it makes their day and it's just the cutest thing. I'll cry over that. I'll cry over a video about a dog. But I know that crying is like the outward version of your emotions um and inwardly yeah i'm definitely someone i can feel sick from my emotions i can feel queasy i feel it in the pit of my stomach in my heart maybe in my head i can get stressed quickly so yeah accurate very accurate that one i have a sense that other people will never truly understand me i think that's accurate as well maybe that's me thinking i'm special i think because i know it's a personality test i'm trying to second guess this but I've always felt that from childhood, that people will never really understand me. And it says people. I would rephrase that, perhaps say some people, but perhaps those people don't matter. You know, perhaps it's only the people that are close to me that I really need to understand me. But yeah, I definitely have a feeling that other people will never truly understand me. I've said so many times on this podcast, I feel that we're only just now learning to have multiple facets to our personalities and that it's okay to show them all. I think it's easy for us to feel like you can only be one way and that's that or pick a side. And I feel that social media has probably added to that. So accurate for that one. The next one, I am prepared for any disaster. No, I'm not. I mean, what? I don't, I don't live my life based on fear. I don't know. I think some of us can walk around and kind of feel fearful about every single thing. Perhaps even more since we've all been through the pandemic. I know that it's put so many of us just on edge about every little thing. But am I prepared for any disaster? No, because I'm not living my life looking for disaster. I'm just living my life looking to hopefully have a good day. <laughs> so I'm going to say that's inaccurate. It is important to me to avoid pain and suffering at all times. Avoiding pain. Again, I feel that's setting up an expectation for pain and suffering. So it's not that I'm looking for pain and suffering, but I don't think it's important to me to walk around avoiding pain and suffering. I mean, I go to the gym. I'm currently having issues with my foot. That causes me a lot of pain. I'm not going out to avoid it because I don't want to except that I can't do things. So I think that one is just a straightforward inaccurate. Mind you, just having a look back at that, I know that not all pain is physical. There's emotional pain as well. But yeah, I still think the answer sticks. That's inaccurate for me. I seek out experiences that I know will make me feel happy or excited. 
I don't know if I seek them out, but I like to travel a lot and I've been really, really missing doing things that make me excited. I think I'm pretty much happy anyway. But experiences that will make me feel excited for me is pretty much always to do with travel, getting away, trying something different, maybe trying a different restaurant, but seeking it out. I'm not sure. I think when I'm in that mood of being away, I'll want to do more exciting things. So when we went to Cornwall, I wanted to go surfing. To me, that was so exciting. Excitement means something new to me, something that I haven't done before. So I would say that's a neutral one for me again. I see the positive in every situation. I would say I try to see the positive in every situation. That's been something, I'd say that's a work in progress. I don't want to do that whole, you know, silver lining. There's a silver lining in everything because I know that's not even good for any of us. If you're a friend that's telling me something that's really bothering you, I'm I'm not going to be that friend that's like, oh, well, at least this didn't happen. So I, I would say I strive to see the positive in every situation, but I might not do it immediately. I might, I might dwell in the negative for a little bit and then kind of discover, you know what? There's a positive here. I feel that's something that many of us will do once we've had time to think. I think initially when we're in the situation, we might feel a bit like this is just awful. So I'm going to put close to accurate for that one. I am not afraid to tell someone when I think they are wrong. I think it depends on the person because if it was my husband, I'd probably have no problem telling him that he's wrong about something, I think. But if it's somebody that I work with, I might be a bit more cautious. Um, And it's also how you tell someone, I think, when they're wrong. I think it's easier for us to tell someone that's close to us when we think they're wrong, especially if you're arguing with that person. But if it's in a professional environment, I probably think we would be more measured in what we say and how we say it. But at the same time, if I think a stranger is wrong, if someone's doing something, I was actually getting a train yesterday and I saw three men that worked at the train station chatting amongst themselves and a pregnant woman with a toddler went up to them for help and she couldn't get on the train. And I think it looked to me like they just pointed her like further down the train and nobody helped her. So I put my drink down to help her and I helped her. And then afterwards I was just like, how? But I didn't tell them they were wrong. I basically put them on Twitter. I took a picture of them and just said, I tagged the railway lines because I did, I thought I was telling them with my actions, but they didn't care. So yeah, I think it depends on the situation. So I'll put close to accurate again for that one. I appreciate having rules that people are expected to follow. No. (laughs) Rules. I feel like, does anybody like following rules? I get why rules exist though. And I feel that I've learned that more and more recently because I don't believe there's any such thing as common sense anymore. I think that's very naive for us to think that we all have this shared common sense. No, we don't. Um, So rules can be useful. For instance, I wish there was a rule where on the pavement there was a fast lane so that I can just move because 
you know, when I'm in London for work, I know that a lot of people are visiting. It's their first time, lots of tourists gathering in groups and just standing around. <laughs> and I'm just like, can I get past? So that would be a cool rule. What rules am I against? It's not that I'm specifically against any particular rules. Like we have a dog. There are rules about, you know, cleaning up after him if he takes a dump in the park. Of course, we would clean that up. But do I assume that everybody would clean up? No. So that's why rules exist. But um, yeah, obviously, there's kind of like a big brother vibe to that. So it would depend on the rule. So I'm just going to say close to inaccurate for that one. There is rarely a good reason for changing how things are done. Hmm, That means I'm stuck. I like to do things the same way over and over again. I don't think I'm like that. Some people might disagree. I think when something can obviously benefit from being changed, then why wouldn't you? So I would say that's inaccurate. I always finish my chores. Yes, I finish my chores, but does that mean I do lots of chores? No, I am someone, I would say I'm clean, but am I tidy? It depends. Finishing my chores is a kind of thing, like if I know I've got a really busy work day and there's dishes in the sink and the the countertops need wiping and the living room needs hoovering, I would rather do those things first and then do my work. I cannot sit and do something when there's mess around me at all. But as I said, it doesn't mean I'm someone that's like cleans for four hours a day. That's not me. So I will say that's accurate. I finished my chores. But what about you? Maybe you're somebody that loves, like maybe you're someone that loves chores. I know some people that would love to plan when they're going to clean their oven. So (laughs) it's just not me. I am always trying to be a better person. I think so. Or maybe I'm at least trying to have a better day than I did the day before. Better can mean you're not happy with where you are. So I'm nervous about that word. If I'm always trying to be better, will I ever feel that I'm enough? I'm not sure. So I wish that said, I'm always trying to have a better day than yesterday because I do try to do that. I do wake up each morning and try and think what what's going to happen today? What am I going to come up against? How am I going to handle those things? And I'll try to prepare myself to be better. But always trying to be a better person. What is better? Is it thinner? Is it taller? Is it less imperfect skin. I've only just mentioned physical things there, haven't I? So if I give it a little bit more thought, then better could also mean more thoughtful, more caring, a better wife, a better sister, daughter, auntie. So in that respect, I do, I want to believe I am always trying to be better in that respect. So I'm going to put close to accurate. I check carefully for mistakes and errors. Yes, this is really accurate, but I have to admit it's because of my day-to-day job. I've been a journalist for a really long time and mistakes and errors are so awful. When it's happened in my newsletter, it's like you can look at something 10 times and think it's fine. Then you send it out and it's gone live. And then you're like, why did I spell that wrong? I feel so stupid or I look like I don't care. So I'll quickly correct it. And then when it's client work, 
they're paying me because they know I've been writing and copy editing for years. So there's always a day that comes when I have to go through a project with a fine tooth comb and my eyes are just like tired because I'm like really zooming in. So yeah, mistakes and errors in my work, 100%. Do I look for mistakes and errors in my day-to-day life? Maybe not because how bad can something be? So I'm just going to put accurate there. I like to be around people who I can help. Um, It would be nice to be around people that don't need help, that perhaps are like getting stuff done that I can learn from and help myself get more done, to be honest. If I'm around people who I can help all day, am I actually going to get anything done? I'm not sure. So I'm going to say that's close to an accurate. I like to feel that I am an important person in my social groups. I don't think I'm that fussed about that. I don't. I wouldn't claim to have many social groups. My social groups are very much myself and one friend, and I will give that person. I will give that person all of my time and my attention. So I don't think, even in that setting, no, I don't think I feel that I need to be that important person. I'm going to say inaccurate. I often feel overtaken by my emotions. I'm starting to get that these questions kind of hone in on the same areas. Overtaken by my emotions? Oh, I don't know. I know I've often said, if somebody really makes me angry, like the cortisol is raging in my body, I'm hot. Am I overtaken? No, because I think I've learned not to be. I don't know. You know that situation, you might get an email and that person just pissed you off immediately. And, you know, you can just like type out a really quick response because it's exactly what you're feeling. I hope that you benefit from taking a minute out, which is what I've learned. Write the email, be pissed off, but don't send it because that shows you've been overtaken by your emotions. I would leave it alone or simply go back to it the next day. I've done that quite often. Somebody sent me an email and it might cause me some stress. Actually, it might not be that I'm angry, but I might feel some stress literally in my body. I would rather leave it, walk away, go for a walk, go to the gym or sleep on it. So I don't think I'm overtaken anymore, but you know, don't quote me on that. Something might happen next week where I'm completely lose it. So I'm going to say close to inaccurate. I like to analyze things from every angle. Hmm. Depends what those things are. If it's a purchase, if it's a new camera lens and it's going to cost a lot of money, maybe I'll analyze that. Fashion shows. I love watching fashion shows and someone doing makeup. I like to analyze those things from every angle. And I think the fact that I have a podcast means I like to give emphasis to certain things like I'm working on an episode that's all about silver right now so in that respect yeah I really enjoy that but I wouldn't say I like to analyze everything from every angle like sometimes you just have to enjoy something for what it is so I'm going to say mm, neutral (laughs) this question is funny I always have a plan for what I would do if things go wrong no because I'm not going around thinking that everything's going to go wrong that being said Do I sometimes say, oh God, I don't know how this is going to go? Yes, I do. I might get booked for a job and I might suddenly think, oh God, what if I mess up? What if my camera breaks? What if my memory cards 
get corrupted. But do I have a plan for those things? Well, yeah, I'll buy extra memory cards or something. But no, I, I don't think I always have a plan. I'm just going to put that in neutral though. I avoid situations that bring up negative feelings. I would say yes, because why would you want to go into those negative moments? I might relate that to perhaps personal family things. Like, you know, if you're going to go to a Christmas at your parents or an aunt's and like, you know, if you're a single person and you go and you know, oh gosh, so-and-so is going to say, you're still single. And then when you, when you have someone, they're like, oh, when are you going to get married? And then when you're married, it's like, when are you going to have children? And it's like, you can't be bothered with those questions, you know? So I think, but I feel that as you get older, you kind of learn, I'm allowed to do that. I'm allowed to avoid you. I'm allowed to avoid the feelings that you bring up in me. So I would say, yeah, I do. But do I go out of my way? No, but I, I think it's all down to what is the situation? How long do you have to be in the situation for? So I'm going to say that's close to accurate. I seek excitement. Again, these questions are interesting, but seek it. No, I don't seek it. I just get on with things and plan exciting things, I would say. If I was seeking excitement all the time, I'd be like my puppy, just like really annoying, wouldn't I? So <laughs> I'm going to say close to inaccurate. I am good at seeing the bright side of things when others complain. No, I said I said earlier, it's trying to trick me. I said earlier, I'm not going to be that friend that's like, if you're saying, oh, he did this, he did that. And I'm like, well, at least, you know, you found out now. So I know what it's doing now. Inaccurate. See, now I feel like I'm, I'm trying to play the test. So <laughs> I do not hesitate to call people out when they're behaving badly. Did we not just do this earlier with, you know, the pregnant woman at the train station? So I'll just say close to accurate again. I'm getting a little bit annoyed with this test. As the next one says, I go along with what other people want. So I'm going to go along with this test. But um, no, I don't go along with what other people want. I might try it for a for a time. It's like I was somewhere the other day and I was like, okay, I think I'm going to be here for an hour. And then I met someone there and they were trying to coerce me. Oh no, let's stay longer, you know. And uh, But in my head, I was like, no, I'm going to stay as long as I need to stay because I've got other things to do. So I would say, no, that's inaccurate. I persist until a task is done. Yes, I do. Even if it hurts physically, because um especially when it's like a photography job. If I've got to get editing done and my back's hurting, I don't think I'll stop until it's done. My eyes might be hurt. I think if my eyes give out, then that's when I'll quit. So I'm just going to say accurate for that one. I spend time trying to discover and correct my faults and weaknesses. Do I sit and look for my faults and weaknesses? I would say only this is I'm trying to be super honest I, only in my marriage I would say because it's something that you it's a decision you've made to be with this person so it would help both of you if you try and discover your faults even though it's really not enjoyable we've been together 11 years and married for nearly five years in a couple of weeks and we really got into watching this show on BBC called Couples Therapy. And it is fascinating. Each series, I think there's two series. 
And in the first series, there were four couples. In the second series, for some reason, there's only three. And you start out thinking, oh, I like that person. Oh, I can't stand the partner. And then you start to think, well, how would I be? Because we're we're very happy, but we're not taking it for granted. We've always said we want to get therapy when we're doing well. So it's not just something you do when, you know, the shit's hit the fan. But seeing that show, it makes you very aware of, oh, I, I think I do that or I'll say to my husband, oh, you're him and I'm I'm him. Or you kind of see things in yourself. Like there's this woman that's very, she doesn't want to give her everything to this guy that she's with, even though she's had a child with him and he lives with her. She's still trying to create distance. And she has seen her mother be beaten by her father. So to me, it's like textbook, of course, she's protecting herself. And I felt that I haven't had that same upbringing, by the way, but I definitely feel like it's easier to protect yourself by pushing somebody away. So I've learned stuff. And so I think I am discovering the correcting part is always going to be harder because you have to go through the patterns that you go through and then be like, oh my God, I'm doing that thing again. And it's better to apologize sooner. (laughs) That's one thing I've learned instead of carrying on your argument. So Watch couples therapy. I'm going to say I'm accurate with that one. I do try. I hold myself to very high standards. I'm someone I hold myself to very high standards when it comes to work, I feel. But also, actually, personally, I've got this thing where I hate saying I'm going to do something and I don't do it. I hate it. And I hate it when other people do it. So, yeah, I think I do maybe I disappoint myself sometimes, but I do think I I try to hold myself to very high standards. I'm going to say almost accurate. I am a natural caretaker. I feel that I am actually, but I feel that when you're a woman that doesn't have children, people kind of like look past you, like there's nothing like being a mother. And I'm just like, there's so many different ways you can take care of someone And conversely, I don't think that just because you're a mother means that you're an amazing natural caretaker. So I feel that the people that I care about feel cared for. I'm going to say close to accurate. I want people to admire me. feel like my professional life, yeah. I want to be the Oprah of beauty podcasts. You know, I've said that now. I've I've said that to people that I've met, but yeah, I... I do want to be known for what I do, which is beauty, writing about it, having this podcast and photographing it. So I will say close to accurate. If I'm honest, I feel that I'm a bit better than other people. If I'm honest, don't we all feel like that? I'm bringing you into it so so I don't feel like such a dick. But don't we all feel that we're a bit better than others? I mean, you know, you might have that bougie friend who thinks she doesn't go to certain places, she's only going to these places or that other friend that's like, well, I don't date guys that do this, you know, so I do. And I feel especially as part of a couple, I think we can be a a slightly judgy couple. You know, we want to do things better than our friends. But I don't mean things like having a better car and material things. I don't mean that. I mean more like, we'll try harder to understand others or we'll try harder to do things for our nieces and nephews. So it said, if I'm being honest, so let me just say, I'll say close to accurate. 
I feel a deep sense of grief for what I have lost. I don't think I've lost anything. I've walked away from things. Oh, the only sense of grief that I have, and I don't like giving people from my past time in my present, but I used to collect, I do still collect Vogue magazine, Vogue Italia, US Vogue, British Vogue. And I collected them for a very long period of time, stacked up. I I don't even want to guess how many copies. I don't even want to guess what special issues were in there. If you're a magazine collector, you will know how it feels when, you know, the Vogue Italia, the Black Barbie magazine came out. Anyway, I was living with somebody else. We broke up and he wouldn't let me have the magazines. That's the only sense of grief I've ever felt over anything in my life because they were the most beautiful magazines and they were they would have gone in my future home and now I'm still collecting them and they're all in boxes in the garage and they're going to go in pride of place when we move into our own space. But apart from that, no, I couldn't care less. What's gone is gone. So I'm going to say inaccurate. I make important contributions to my community, maybe with my work, where I live I've done local projects about loneliness and I felt that was a valid contribution that I am proud of because over several days I think I spoke to around over 60 people about loneliness and people opened up to me you know I met somebody I met this man and woman they were on their first date and was it a year later they sent me a card saying they got married and that felt so special that felt like an important contribution so yeah I feel like there's these little social contributions I've made so I'm going to say close to accurate okay so I've reached the final page it's analyzing my core fears oh my god <sighs> see my results Ugh. I'm an eight I knew I was an eight I swear I knew I was an eight because I read the eights hate to be controlled. They have a fear of something controlling their life. I knew it. The eight is the challenger. I think that that sounds pretty cool, right? The the brief description is powerful and dominating, self-confident, decisive, willful and confrontational. Apes are motivated by the desire to be independent and to take charge of themselves and others. They are assertive personalities and passionate about life, which they approach with vigor and confidence. Apes know how to look after themselves. They pursue their own destiny. These are the qualities of natural leaders. Okay. Apes have an imposing presence. They are action people. Oh my God, that's so me. I'm always saying action over words my basic fear is of being harmed or controlled by others so relationships you don't want to be hurt that makes so many it makes sense because me and my husband often talk about when we first met I would kind of push him away my basic desire is to protect myself basically to be in control of my own life and destiny so that makes sense 
And then it talks about wings. I haven't got into my wings. <laughs> there's an eight with a seven, which is the maverick. And there's an eight with a nine, which is the bear. So anyway, oh gosh, it's given examples of other eights. You're not going to believe this. Donald Trump, Mikhail Gorbachev, Saddam Hussein. <laughs> okay, let me find some better ones. Susan Sarandon, Harvey Keitel, Russell Crowe, Aretha Franklin. Okay, Serena Williams. Okay, Toni Morrison, Phew. Paul Newman. I love it. Martin Luther King. Okay, 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 okay. Ernest Hemingway. I love his work. Pablo Picasso, Pink, Tony Soprano. I mean, come on. Eights are charismatic and have the physical and psychological capacities to persuade others to follow them into all kinds of endeavors. From starting a company to waging war, by the way. Okay, I don't think this is correct. Eights have enormous willpower and vitality and they feel most alive when they are exercising these capacities in the world. They use their abundant energy to affect change. Mm, I don't know. When eights are emotionally healthy, they can have a very can-do attitude. They take initiative and make things happen. They are honorable and authoritative, natural leaders who have a solid commanding presence. Their groundedness gives them abundant common sense. Well, if you go back to the beginning of this test, you'll know that I don't believe in common sense. <laughs> Apparently, eights are willing to take the heat, knowing that any decision cannot please everyone. They use their talents and fortitude to construct a better world. So I could go on and on. There's so much information out there and it definitely looks like I need to investigate what my wings are. But I'm an eight. I thought I was an eight. It's good to know that an eight isn't an awful person. I did say in the intro to this, there are nine personalities, but I think there are 27 traits. And I feel it's really important when you do something like this, you don't have to take it to heart. You know, the negative parts, you can kind of, I find it quite intriguing. And you can kind of work on the bits that you might feel are negative. Maybe, you know, that confrontational part, I know what that's saying, but I don't think it means that I'm confrontational with everybody. I think it could mean that I will stick up for somebody if I feel it. Or if somebody's annoying me at a concert, maybe I will say something. So let me know. Did you do the test with me online? I would love to know what you are. Let's get together. Let's compare results. As I said, still got lots more to read on being an eight, but I'm going to leave you links for more information in the show notes. Let me know what you think. Tag me when you're listening. Send me your results. DM me at beauty me podcast or email me beauty me podcast at gmail.com. This has been quite stressful, but quite enlightening. So I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know if you did. I'll see you next time.